We shall meet, but we shall miss him. There will be one vacant chair. We shall linger to caress him while we breathe our evening prayer. When a year ago we gathered, joy was. Welcome to the American Writers 100 Pages at a Time podcast. In each episode, I look at around 100 pages of the works of great American writers using the Library of America as my source material. Currently, we are looking at Little Men, uh, the second novel of Louisa May Alcott's Little Women trilogy. If you're just joining us with this episode, you may want to go back and listen to some of my previous episodes, starting with uh, my five episodes on Little Women, and really you want to you're going to want to listen to what I've had to say about Little Men to this point. Now, just in way of brief introduction, Little Men is a novel set uh, sometime like around a decade after the, most of the events of of Little Women or the second half of Little Women, and it's set in a school called Plumfield, which is based on a house that Joe Marsh inherited. Um, and then shortly after, she marries a professor, and the professor is the main teacher at Plumfield. And this is a school they designed to have new efforts at or new, new, new strategies, new methods of, of instruction and education, focusing on the child, focusing on practical skills, focusing on diversity. And so we get this group of 12 or so boys, all who have unique characteristics and challenges and problems and there's a, some uh, a couple girls near the school too some from the from Joe and Professor Bear's family uh, their own kids plus uh, another girl Nan comes in now I talk about all these characters in the previous episodes so I'm not going to go back over all of them again but they all come from different backgrounds and we've we've learned a couple important things from the first part of the novel such as uh, the importance of virtue and the, the places virtue can come from. Characters such as Nat and Dan, who were basically street kids when the novel begins, show some of the greatest courage and nobility and self-sacrifice of any of the other boys in the school. And that's a point sort of where we left off on with this chapter, Damon and, and Pythias, which is really about a, a, a theft and how these two friends you know, stand up for each other in an effort to kind of solve the mystery of who did it. But in, it's really about their, their their bonds. But the point Alcott is making, of course, is that this virtue can come from unlikely places, not just from the educated and the sophisticated. We also have a very important character named Nan, who is challenging the conventions of of the boys, the boys' institutions, and forcing them to accept her as an equal. And she, although she is a bit tomboyish, she does, you know, want to enter into uh, a professional environment. She wants to be a doctor, and she's quite skilled at that, those kinds of things. So she is kind of the prototype of perhaps the new woman, or at least uh, like the late 19th century feminist type figure. So that's just some of where we're at in the novel uh, Little Men. Not much happens plot-wise. I mean, it's essentially a six-month period of time, and these different things happen in the novel. L now, Little Women had more of a, a clear plot and some important tensions that had to be resolved. There's not that much of it here. 
because it's just six months in the life of of these students. We meet some new people. Um, some people leave and and come back to Plumfield. They introduce this girl Nan, but other than that, there's not really an overarching plot. Um, but it's still a really enjoyable read. I, I think it's it's not my favorite of the of the Little Women novels. In fact, it's probably my least favorite of of the three, partially because it doesn't really do too much except set up these characters who we end up quite fond of by the end. However, it's not really clear what, where they're going or what's going to happen to them. All that is resolved, of course, in Joe's Boys. So Joe's Boys is almost like a coda or a sequel to this. I, I talked earlier how, in a way, Joe's Boys and Little Men form one novel almost in the same way that Little Women was broken into two parts and formed one novel. Uh, the first part of both of these quote-unquote novels introduces the characters and the second part shows how they emerge into adulthood. Okay, so let's get into the final third of this novel and get to its conclusion. The, I guess the last third of the novel really is about the autumn. The novel starts like in the spring and you know, the opening part just kind of introduces you to the characters. And the second part, it deals with like a summer. And now we're kind of entering into an autumn period. So we're in chapter 15. That's where we'll begin. If you don't know this novel, you never read it, or, you know, you just want to be familiar with it, then go back and listen to what I, my previous two episodes on this novel. Chapter 15 is called In the Willow. So Daisy and Nan, the two girls that were kind of hanging around Plumfield, Daisy is... Uh, Joe's niece and Nan is one of the students. They're playing. And the narrator talks about these two girls through the terms of the broader issues of the day. And it's it's something Alcott does quite a lot, maybe not as much as we might like. You know, she doesn't politicize the novels, but sometimes she does talk about them in in a slightly broader context. Quote, Daisy knew nothing about women's rights. She quietly took all she wanted and no one denied her claim because she did not undertake what she could not carry out, but unconsciously used all of the powerful, all powerful right of her own influence to win from others any privilege with which she had proven her fitting fitness. Nan attempted all sorts of things undaunted by direful failures and clamored furiously to be allowed to do everything that the boys did. They laughed at her, hustled her out of the way and protested against her meddling with their affairs, but she would not be quenched and she would be heard for her will was strong, and she had the spirit of a rampant reformer. Mrs. Bear sympathized with her, but tried to curb her frantic desire for entire liberty, showing her that she must wait a little, learn self-control, and be ready to use her freedom before she asked for it. Nan had meek moments when she agreed to this, and the influences that worked with her were gradually taken effect. She no longer declared that she'd be an engine driver or a blacksmith, but turned her mind to farming and found it a vent for the energy bottled up in her little active body. End quote. Now, mostly this is about Nan, and this is about Nan's assertiveness and her desire to be the equal of men in all things, right? So, yeah, she's the feminist. And the author, Alcott, actually introduces the concept of women's rights here. So she wants you to think of Nan as a women's rights activist, or at least in a, in a kind of a proto-stage. Daisy, though, is a very different figure, right? She doesn't really claim. She just takes quietly. So she's not confronting Right. She's still taking what she thinks she desires, but she doesn't see it as a political issue. She just takes what she she can and she's able to. Right. And she uses her influence. And this is a quite a different strategy, if you will, for asserting 
women's power. In fact, Daisy's approach would you know had been done for a long time, anyways, by by powerful women who didn't have formal power or position. So Joe decides she needs to do more for Nan to prepare for a world that she's not really ready to fit into. She needs a career, and Joe begins to think she'll make a good doctor. And in fact, she does end up becoming a doctor, and she works with animals in the book, and she shows some skill of basically being a physician. Other kids are also playing at the same time, including Emil. And we haven't talked much about Emil. Emil is the kind of the nephew of of Professor Bear and he's taking care of the of him and another boy. So basically there's Joe and Mr. Bear's Professor Bear's kids, biological kids, and then there's these like nephews that they're taking care of. Emil's one of them and he wants to be a sailor and he plays sailor. And that's a common theme in this book of people playing for playing what they want to be. Right. So Daisy at one point was playing being a cook, right? And she had this little miniature um miniature kitchen set. Emil's playing to be a sailor. Uh, Tommy is playing to be a business leader, right? And the line between actually playing it and doing these things is is not always so clear. Certainly with Daisy, who thought she was playing how to bake, but actually was making food that everyone thought was great. Emil, though, of course, he can't really be a sailor, but he's still playing. And so play becomes training for their real life or their adult roles, not real life, their adult roles. Um, there are many small conversations about the interactions of the other children, including a very interesting discussion about Dan and Demi's uh, relationship and how Demi admires Dan so much. Now, Demi is is Daisy's brother. They were their twins um, and Demi's looking up to Dan. Now, Dan's an interesting character because he does have these virtues that are established earlier in the novel, but he's also a bit of a troublemaker and he's he's got a bit of the hook fin in him. He likes he spits and fights and. I think he smokes and does stuff like that. Um, so also in this chapter, Jack returns. So Jack ran away in the previous chapter back to home after stealing $1 and getting coming clean about it. And he leaves a note saying he's basically leaving the school. But he comes back. And, and the reason he comes back is because the father basically wants him there because it's relatively cheap for him to study at Plumfield. Now with this character, Jack, there's a really interesting or I don't quite know how to interpret it, but there's... A rather fascinating relationship between them and money, Jack and his father and money, that they seem to both be rather obsessed with it. Not in the way that Tommy is, because Tommy, he wants to be a business person. It's like this cheapness almost is, is something that's inherited down to down to Jack. And it's not presented as a good character in, in the course of the novel. So it's not so much thrift. I mean, there are characters who are thrifty and exhibit thriftiness at from time to time, but it's more of a kind of a pettiness about money or a greediness about money it's I, I think i think alcott would prefer the kind of Arist aristotelian mean on these issues so chapter 16 taming the colt well this chapter is it's well about taming a colt it's mostly about dan learning skills that will be useful later in his life there is a horse and a, in a pasture around the way's house and there's kind of this this horse is doing its own thing there no one really has the time or the effort to tame this horse. Dan has become enamored with this horse and is named Prince Charlie. And Dan sort of becomes a horse whisperer in this chapter and tames the horse. And this foreshadows where Dan himself is going to end up, which is going to end up on the frontier working alongside these um, animals. 
but um, it, it's kind of a fun little chapter. Not much happens here, though. This is basically that Dan tames this horse Charlie. Um, but it's presented in the novel as a bit like, like the taming of Dan himself, at least according to Joe. Right. So I'm trying to find the passage here. It's at the end of the chapter, Taming the Colt. Oh, here it is. Mrs. Joe says, I am taming a colt too, and I think I shall succeed as well as you if I'm patient and persevering. So basically, Dan is also the um, something that needed to be tamed and is being tamed uh, from his rough street life. Now, he's not losing like the good things he, he learned from that, but he has kind of getting worked out some of the bad habits he had. Same way this happened with Nat, with lying. Nat's kind of tendency to lie, which was a survival skill on the streets, is worked out of him by his, his life in Plumfield. So chapter 17, Composition Day. So for a book about school, we haven't spent that much time in the novel Little Men in the classroom at all. I think there's one chapter where they're kind of in a classroom and it's just brief. Most of the learning is taking place outside of the classroom. Now, again, I, Alcott's father wrote a book on education. Here's what the Library of America chronology says. So each of these books has a chronology of the author in the back. But um, Amos Bronson Alcott is her father. He was born in poverty in rural Connecticut in 1799 and left school at 13 to work as an itinerant peddler. An autodidact, he became a school teacher and educational reformer, publishing observations on the principles and methods of infant instruction in 1830. Mother, born, this is Alcott's mother, born 1800 into a Boston Unitarian family. Okay. And then he's got other books he wrote later in his life. So in 1837, he wrote something called Conversations with Children on the Gospels. And that's all the chronology really gives. But the, the point is he wrote about education. And this must have been something the family talked about and thought about. And, of course, education reform was a big part of the antebellum reform movements uh, that Alcott kind of was born into that, that environment. So I, I wonder if you were to go look at these things, would you see kind of uh, some of these themes that you see in Little Men at work in that novels? It'd be, it'd be interesting to see. Okay, so, but as I was saying, this this chapter, Composition Day, does kind of go back to the classroom. It's one of the few times we actually see classroom stuff being done. And it shows some of the efforts at a more formal education. Each student is required to essentially write a composition and then present it to the other students. Each child is writing and reading their short essays on various topics. And in a sense, each child is growing into their own interests and skills. So Nan writes something called The Sponge, which is about the the animal the sponge right the sea creature daisy writes a, something called the cat tommy writes to his grandmother and dick writes on a dragonfly so dick who likes insects writes about what he likes um, but nan we see her talent kind of her the way she observes things and the way she's got kind of a sharp mind and why she might be a good doctor if she pursues that this is what her essays um or at least part of it the sponge, my friends, is the most useful and interesting plant. It grows on rocks under the water and is a kind of seaweed, I believe. People go and pick it and dry it and wash it because little fish and insects live on the holes of the sponge. I found shells in my new one and sand. Some are very fine and soft. Babies are washed with them. 
the sponge will have many has many uses. I'll relate some of them, and I hope my friends will remember what I say. One is use one use is to wash the face. I don't like it myself, but I do it because I wish to be clean. Some people don't, and they're dirty. Another use is to wake people up. I allude to boys particularly. Some boys do not get up when called, and Marianne squeezes the water out of the wet sponge on their face, and it makes them so mad they wake up. Okay, so there, there's a little bit more, but you see her, the powers of observation. Uh, she's giving a taxonomy almost of the uses of the sponge, and of course it's an important school tool for doctors as a sponge to keep clean. So there's... um. A little bit of foreshadowing, and this happens a lot in the novel. And, you know, I don't know if, if Alcott had Joe's Boys in mind. She writes it much later in her life. She, it's like the last novel she writes, and there's a lot of time between the publication of this novel, Little Men, and the publication of Joe's Boys. So was she thinking about the end of the stories for these characters? So, yeah, Little Men was published in 1871, and Joe's Boys, 1886, her final novel. So maybe she was already planning to do this, and she's setting these seeds for their future um, or maybe she maybe that's not the case but nevertheless we, we kind of get a sense of where these bo boys and girls are going to end up based on this novel this six month period of time in their life okay chapter 18 crops it's harvest time at the school and the main crop as well as the various experiments by the children are all completed not all are successful though so failure is something that's taught in this edu agricultural education Dan had the least to kind of offer at harvest time, partially because he came late in the summer and he was injured for much of the summer, so he really couldn't do that. But all the other kids have their own like harvests. There is not much to say about this chapter, but the little farmer's market that comes after the harvest is really nice. And it's a nice, but really we're, we need to return to this metaphor established earlier in the novel by Mr. Bear that education is basically like cultivating a garden. Right. So the boys are starting to mature. The boys and girls are starting to mature, to grow up. And at some point they'll be harvested by society and, and go off in their useful ways. But the teacher's role is that of a gardener. And it's, it seems to be what Alcott's main point is. So it even says it right here at the end of the chapter. Father and mother bears crops was a different sort and not so easily described. But they were satisfied with it, felt that their summer work had prospered well, and by and by had a harvest that made them very happy. Okay, so now we kind of reached the end of the novel, and there's just a few things to wrap up. Again, this novel isn't really, doesn't have a plot, so there's really not that much to, to wrap up. I mean, she could have ended it right here, and you probably wouldn't know that there was three more chapters she, she had in her head. And that's, that's true for much of this. It's a little... I don't want to say meandering, but it it doesn't seem to have a clear direction. It's just a it's a sandbox kind of novel. So next we have chapter nineteen, John Brooke. Um, well, this is something that's that's real to life. Um, Mr. Brooke is Meg's husband. Meg is Joe's older sister, and she's the first to marry. And Mr. Brooke was actually Laurie's tutor and a family friend and then they get married and there's a, there's a lot in Little Women about their relationship and one of the tensions was Mr. Brooke likes to save and he's very conservative and he's planning for the future and he works hard wants to establish himself and all that 
And that's sort of revisited here, although we don't really see Mr. Brooke at all. But I think Alcott put this in because her real brother-in-law died in real, in, in real life. So she just wants to write about these real life experiences. And she's often reflecting on that. Like she lost a sister and that's who Beth is. I think it's actually the same name, Elizabeth, as her real sister dies. And so she writes about it. In the third novel, Joe's Boys, she says, I'm not going to write about, I'm not going to have Amy in here because her real life counterpart died and I can't write about her anymore. So she doesn't kill Amy off, but she just doesn't say much about Amy and Joe's Boys. So anyways, in this chapter, Demi and Daisy get the news that their father is taken ill. And when the, by the time they see him, he had already died peacefully. So again, this is based on the real life experience of Elcott losing a, a brother-in-law. And then we, we learned something about Brooke's character, especially this is really useful if you didn't read Little Women, but if you did, you sort of already know this. But um, this is, is this Mr. Bear? Or is it Mr. Lawrence? I don't know. Anyways, let me tell you a little about John Brooke and you'll be, see why men honor him and why he was satisfied to be good rather than rich or famous. He simply did his duty in all things and did so cheerfully, so faithfully that it kept him patient, brave, and happy throughout poverty and loneliness and years of hard work. He was a good son and gave up his own plans to stay and live with his mother while she needed him. He was a good friend and taught Laurie much besides his Greek and Latin, did the unconsciously, perhaps by showing him the example of an upright man. He was a faithful servant and made himself so valuable that those who he employed, who employed him, and they will find it hard to fill his place. He was a good husband and father, so tender and wise and thoughtful that Laurie and I learned much of him and only knew how well he loved his family when we discovered all he had done for them unsuspected and unassisted. And then somewhere here, there's a clarification that he saved a bunch of money. Basically, he saved enough money that his wife and, and children are cared for. At least his wife will be cared for for the rest of her life. And there's enough money for their children's education. Um, how realistic that is in the economy of the time, I don't know, but that he's being presented as the guy who worked and sacrificed for his family. And even though he died, he, he guaranteed this security for his family. Um, so next is chapter two. I'll be really quick on the last two chapters because um, it's basically just the final scenes of these kids being together and enjoying life together. Chapter 20 is called Round the Fire and it's October. And the students are just around the fire telling stories for amusement. We get kind of to meet them all again and see what they're interested in. It's kind of just a fun chapter in many ways. It's like a lot of the chapters in this book where it's just like a slice of life of, at the school of Plumfield. And then the final chapter, 21, uh, is called Thanksgiving. So in the way that like Little Women was, was around Christmas, Right, so it was a Christmas without father to a Christmas with the father returning in the first half of Little Women, actually. Now, in Little Men, it's the harvest season, right? So it's overlapping with this theme of, of education with harvest. So it's kind of the novel begins with planting season and ends with harvest. So we end with Thanksgiving. You know, that makes sense. There's several traditions that take place at this Thanksgiving festival. The most important of these are these are these theatrical, something that Elcott includes in all these Little Women novels see we didn't really get any yet but you know they're they're stuck here at the end and then we'll have them again in joe's boys and i think there's where she kind of admits like it wouldn't be a one of my novels if we didn't have theatricals 
And then at the end of the novel, we get a song and a poem and a little bit of a conclusion. A bit of a... Well, I'll just read the poem and, and to the end of the novel, and, and you'll see how this novel ends. Summer days are over. Summer work is done. Harvests have been gathered gaily one by one. Now the feast is eaten, finished in the play, but one rite remains for our Thanksgiving day. Best of all, the harvest in the dear God's sight are the happy children in the home tonight, and we come to offer thanks where thanks are due with grateful hearts and voices, Father, Mother, unto you. With this last words, the circle narrowed till the good professor and his wife were taken prisoners by the many arms, half hidden by a bouquet of laughter, young faces which surrounded him, proving that one plant has taken root and blossomed beautifully in all the little gardens. For love is a flower that grows in any soil, works its sweet miracles undaunted by autumn frost or winter snows, blooming fair and fragrant all year, the blessings of those who give and those who receive. And that is the end of, of Little Men uh, or Life at Plumfield. So what do I think of this novel? I, I've already said I, I, it's my least favorite of the Little Women trilogy. Um, I like Joe's Boys, as you'll see, because it's, it's quite worldly. And we have real stakes for the characters, which there's a few moments here with real stakes, like when Nan and, and Rob are lost. But it's in, and certainly with Dan, I think there's moments of, of peril and real decision and crisis. But with Joe's boys, as they reach adulthood, there's real, real, real stakes in some of the values that they've learned here, whether it's bravery or virtue or self-sacrifice or courage are, are put to a test. And, and then we get kind of like this nice reunion story, which is, which is neat there. Uh, and, uh, you know, my big cr cr critique of this novel is it, it doesn't seem to really go anywhere. It just it's these different slices of life. And the only really narrative we have is this narrative of, of, of think of harvest of like planting seeds and then harvesting them. And I guess on, with individual characters, we see character development, which, which is nice. And of course, Alcott really stresses this and in, in all of her novels is, is the development of these characters, but mostly it's a way you, you want to meet these boys. You want to meet them and experience life with them and, and, laugh with them and, and have fun with them. And it's really a delightful novel in a lot of ways. People who are interested in education, I think, will find a lot of value in this this book as well. Um, it's the one that's most explicitly about education of all of the Little Women books. Um, you know, it's in the backdrop of Little Women, but never really addressed directly. And then by Joe's Boys, by the time, you know, with Joe's Boys, it, these people come back. So they're already done with their education. So it's there where you could, Write a, you could th thematically analyze this in terms of education. I really like especially how she associates play with, and work, and getting your hands dirty with education. And it's, it's not just all in the classroom. In fact, there's very little in the classroom. Most of the education is taking place interpersonally or through learning a craft or a skill. Um, so now the way I used to do this in this podcast is if I like had a book like this so that I studied over three episodes, I'd at the end of the third episode give you a list of themes and I've found that I sometimes I forget things or I forget to list them at the end and um, and so I, I and it, it's like sometimes I'm talking about stuff that happened like two or three or four episodes ago so instead I've been starting with this series to look at the themes at the end of each episode so I'll just talk about some of the things we see in this particular part of of little men one theme is forgiveness uh, especially with Jack, who returns and is forgiven. Uh, and this has happened again and again in the novel, where people f 
break the rules, but they're restored. Uh, a theme here of feminism, of women's place in the world, and especially with the character of Nan and to a lesser degree Daisy, the proper way, the question is the proper way for women to assert their rights in the world. And Alcott seems to side with Nan's approach of demanding this equality. Even, if, you know, she does say you got to wait. You got to wait till you have your skills and prove yourself able to be the equal of men. So it's not something that's just, you can just claim. And that's the criticism of Daisy, who just kind of claims what she wants without asserting rights. But those rights have to come with kind of a maturation. So Joe does say you need to wait. But there is this insistence of, of kind of a demand for equality. And we see that with, with Nan's character. Returning to family is key again with Jack, uh, with all these characters, uh, and becoming a family, right? Family, I guess. Uh, many of these characters don't have families or have, have suffered loss in their families or can't return to their families, but they make a new one in there. And this is related, I guess, to another theme, which is community and community building and how these people of these diverse backgrounds make, make the school almost a little town. Um, and then the final important theme is education and particularly the cycle of education and agriculture, right? And, and then they're, they kind of are thematically connected here, right? With education, you've, you develop and grow and nurture and then harvest as you do with agriculture. Oh, we should also say loss. We haven't talked much about loss. It's a major theme in, in Little Women. It's, it's really on every page of Little Women is loss and, and death and sickness and the, the fear of losing a loved one. Here, there's not so much. There, there's not many characters who seem at risk of, of dying. Um, but we do lose Mr. Brooke. And these young children, Demi and Daisy, who are like 10 years old, have to come to terms with the loss of one of their parents. And that's a quite a traumatic experience for them. So those are so those are some of the themes in the latter part of of Little Men. It is a it's a worthwhile novel to read. I mean, I wouldn't put it on the you know the top hundred must read of books of American history. But if if I wanted to create a reading list for someone interested in education, I'd probably include this book into it. And I, and I think you know it might be fun to compare this to other books about education. And to see, you know, because I, I don't know if Alcott's like coming out as a theorist of education at any point. You know, right? She just kind of shows by, you know, shows by doing. But, you know, there might be other writers who are a little more uh, self-conscious about, you know, what education should be. But I like how she does it here. And it's, it's a fun novel. It just takes a, like a day or two to read. So you're not going to lose much time if you give, a, give it a try. So, um... Yeah, so tell me what you think. Let me know if you've read Little Men. Uh, I would love to know your opinions. You can send them to me at 100pagescast at gmail.com. Um, if you enjoyed this episode or this series on Little Men, you can go and listen to the my series on Little Women or look up the other authors. I have a series not that, not, not that old on Jack London. And you can even go back to my first series on Melville. I'd love you know to hear what people have to say about those episodes going way back. So um, I guess that does it. Um, so I'll be back next time with Joe's Boys. And it's, it's not quite 300 pages. It's like 250 pages. So I'll probably do it in two episodes. I'll just, I'll, I'll be a little bit more quick with it. I, I like Joe's Boys a lot, but, you know, I'm not going to, I don't think I'm going to spend three episodes on it. So um, 
that's that. Um, I'll be back shortly with Joe's Boys. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, leave your comments or, or share this with people who you think might be interested in it. And I really, I really want to hear your comments about uh, Little Man if you've read it. So thank you so much for listening and reading along with me. But a golden cord is severed And our hopes in ruin lie We shall meet, but we shall miss him There will be one vacant chair We shall live